Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day. For those of you listeners that are new to this segment, what you can expect over the next two weeks is for me to offer my picks each and every day of the 2022 Australian Open. Of course, I know I speak for every one of us in the tennis community with all of the off-court drama we've experienced over the past couple of weeks. We're just excited to focus on the on-court product, to focus on the many exciting matches that are sure to come over the next two weeks in Australia. But of course, you know what adds an additional element of excitement? When you've made some picks, you've got your pride on the line. Perhaps for some of you, you've got some cash money on the line as well. I want to put some cash in all of your pockets. I want you to feel good about the picks you're talking about with your friends. So I'm going to offer my selections, my best look, best value plays at the board each and every day. Of course, we'll keep track as we go along the way. And here on day one, it is always nice to start with a fresh balance sheet. But again, I'm going to work my way across the board, talk about the money lines I find most appealing, talk about the over-unders, the spreads I like the most. As we progress through this tournament, learn a bit more about some of the players in the draw. We'll start getting into the future selections as well, the players we think are going to win their quarter, perhaps make the final or ultimately win the title here in Australia. And then, of course, it would not be an ace of the day segment without a couple of parlays thrown in the mix. Again, I'll keep track, offer you updates each and every day, how our picks are doing, but my promise, my guaranteed to all of you listeners, we're going over 500 in terms of wins, losses, ties, and we're going to end, I'm going to say plus 15 units. I'm feeling pretty good heading into this 2022 season. With that in mind, let's get into our day one picks here for our GSP aces of the day. Worth mentioning for all of you listeners, a couple of things you'll hear frequently throughout the course of these podcasts. I'm going to refer to odds given by our friends over at DraftKings. You can find the DraftKings Sportsbook wherever online. Of course, you can use the DraftKings Sportsbook wherever gambling is legal. I'm also going to refer quite frequently to the percentage projections from our friends over at Tennis Abstract. If you look at their draw forecast, Jeff uses his ELO ratings to make projections percentages for each and every match favorite. I'm going to refer to those quite frequently as well when we see value, whether it's from the percentages versus the odds, whatever it may be. We'll try and capitalize on that over the next two weeks. Again, money lines, over-unders, spreads, parlays, futures, you name it. We'll talk about it here on this show. Of course, if you're looking for recap content, We'll do that every day on the mini break. If you're looking for bonus content, match of the day segments for all of you Patreon subscribers. With all of that said, let's get into our day one picks. And of course, day one features the top half of both the men, uh, draw of both the men's and women's singles competitions. No Novak Djokovic. Plenty of top seeds in action, though. Ashley Barty, Alex Zverev, Rafael Nadal, Barbara Krejcikova, Paula Bedosa. Many fantastic affairs for us tennis fans to enjoy. 
That said, of course, it's awfully difficult to bet on the top seeds in the early rounds. You're going to find lopsided odds unless you like lopsided game spreads. You look at players like Ashley Barty, Alex Virev, Rafael Nadal, Barbara Krejcikova, comfortable money line favorites here on day one. Now, you know, the Paula Bedosa, Alia Tamjanovic, minus 400 spread. That one's interesting to throw into a parlay. Bedosa's looked excellent through the first two weeks of play, even in her first round loss to Azarenka in week one. That had more to do with how well Azarenka was playing than anything Bedosa was doing wrong. We'll keep that in mind as we look towards the parlays, but in terms of some money lines where we can find more value, Kaya Yuvan, minus 160. I know she struggled and was the beneficiary of the poor Sabalenka serving performance, lost her next match, lost her first match qualifying in week two of this tournament, uh, of this season, excuse me. But I just think the 2021-year-old is awfully talented. I think it's like 90%, not 90, that's too much, but 80%, 85% of what you get from Belinda Bencic. And when she's striking the ball cleanly and just playing confident tennis, she's got top 50 weapons. She's got that sort of game in her. I think Zinevska is a a perfect uh, opponent for her to work her way into her rhythm here in Melbourne. Minus 160 is interesting. We're going to stay away from that. Sasnovich minus 150 over... Over Zhang is interesting. Fognini minus 115 over Greek Spore. Excuse me, Fognini. I apologize for the American pronunciation there. 115, interesting, but Greek Spore challenger superstar last year. Rusa over Paulini plus 105. That she's the underdog. Interesting. Runa plus 110 as an underdog against Quan. Again, I like it. I don't love it. Vekic plus 115. I mean, when we last saw her, she was winning a title. Now, she didn't play in the warm-up events, and, you know, Allison Risk did just make a final, but let's be clear, Allison Risk played three games combined or six games combined in the quarterfinals and semifinal rounds of last week event. Uh, last week's event. Vekic is getting back to her top form. Risk is inching closer to it as well. Vekic at plus 115. If you want to make a play on that match, I wouldn't, but I'd go the Vekic route. Brangle plus 130 over Yastremska is just a bet on the volatility of Yastremska. Nakashima plus 230 over Berrettini is dreaming if you're an American. Buxa plus 280 over Van Utvenik is the long shot parlay I like best. But the one I, uh, money line, excuse me, but the one I settled on, and this is not going to be a surprise to you Crack Rackets listeners, how about Stefan Kozlov? Plus 160 over Yuri Veshley tomorrow you look. Uh, we'll, we'll start, obviously, with the most, uh, I suppose, supportive number in this case. You look at the tennis abstract odds. Stefan Kozlov, a 52.1% favorite to knock off Yuri Veshley tomorrow. Of course, why is he the heavy favorite? It's because if you look at what he did down the home stretch of 2021, making the Vegas Challenger final, winning Charlottesville, winning Champagne. I believe in Stefan Kozlov's last 52 weeks now, he's 40 and 17. That's a 70% win percentage. He's back into the top 200, number 168, earned the USTA challenge wild card into this Australian Open main draw. And yes, I know he lost his first round match to Dennis Kudla in Sydney qualifying uh, in his warm-up event play and lost first round to Kaboli in the Bendigo challenger. Again, three sets in his first two matches in Australia. But he's played pretty well. And I think, again, for him in particular, you look at the first serve percentage in his first match, his second serve win percentage in the second match. I think it's been a rhythm thing more than anything else. And, you know, again, I think those two matches, good time for him to play through those mistakes. He's had now a full week of training to get accustomed, full couple weeks of training to get accustomed to the environment down there. And again, he played two three-set matches, two good three-set matches. 
I like him tomorrow as a plus 160 underdog against Yuri Veshley. And look, Veshley currently the higher-ranked player, number 79 in the world. He also ended his season pretty strongly winning a challenger, making a couple of semifinals, quarterfinals at the end of the season as well. Still 27-28 and 28 in his last 52. And I know he made the second round of this Australian Open last year, beat Copenhagen in five before getting knocked out by Carreno Busta in four, the big serving lefty. Highly volatile game. But a big lefty's a good matchup for Kozlov, who's always been so fluid on that backhand wing. And again, if you're making you know passing, making the match simple, focusing Kozlov, forcing Kozlov to focus, excuse me, on that return of serve, just keeping that ball low at the feet of Vesely, two passing shot combinations. That's what Stefan Kozlov does best. I think he's always matched up well against lefties. I think his improvement in the serve, the plus one game, is essential to you know force Vesely into the outer thirds, not let him dictate from the center of the court. I just think it's a good matchup for Kozlov, despite the power of Vesely. I think physically Kozlov's going to be ready for that challenge. And again, 52% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract, plus 160, according to the odds makers. If you trust the numbers, we're having value on this play it's day one. We're going to keep all of our plays to half a unit. Just try and, you know, get our bearings here. Make sure everyone passes the eye test in their opening round matches. Don't want to bet too big. Blow it all here early. Dig ourselves a hole. Let's go Kozlov half a unit at uh, to win uh, 0.8 overall in return. Again, that's a money line bet. He is the underdog. I see the value there. Let's roll the dice. Kozlov plus 160 over Vesely, half a unit again to win 0.8. That's our only money line bet on the day. You look at the other things, of course, over-under spreads, plenty to be intrigued by for those interested in this realm of the game. So many over-unders I like on the day. You look on the women's side, I mean, some of my favorites. Svitolina Farrow, I mean, couldn't that match just be a physical, you know, battle, just a track meet, go the distance? You look at someone like Claire Liu, who's been playing extraordinarily well, uh, Victoria, uh, Veronica Kudermatova, excuse me, who's played pretty solid, played well in week number one, but struggled down the home stretch of 2021. I think that's a very interesting match. You know, you never know what you're going to get early from Ostapenko. She's got a tricky one against Shmadova. That's plus 175, probably my favorite of the bunch. Pagula, Kalnina. I mean, Kalnina's won like 75% of her matches over the last 52 weeks. Pagula really struggled in her first two singles matches of the year. That one has, you know, three sets written all over it. The aforementioned Vekic risk match feels like it could be a battle. If Jabour's not healthy, Parisa's Diaz is going to make her work. You know, those are just the women's over-unders that are intriguing. And then on the men's side, I mean, how many matches do you think players steal a set in? Certainly Kozlov Vesely, which is minus 190. You know, Tabilo was playing really well. Could he steal a set off of Alcaraz, who hasn't played a match, coming off of COVID? Minus 140. That one's awfully tasty. Vukic Harris, minus 160. Things like Nishioka Elbot, minus 195. Korda Nori, I mean, that match feels destined for four sets, minus 200. A little lofty on the lob, uh, odds, but feels like a lock in that one. Kokonakis has played a lot of tennis. That's why I would like Hanifman to steal a set off him at minus 155. You know, again, things like Mute and Pui at minus 150, those sorts of things interest me as well. But it's first day. You never know physically how everyone's going to match up. As such, we're going to stay away from the over-unders until we get our bearings a bit more on each of these players, know how well they're all playing. Lots of spreads, though. 
to keep our eyes on throughout the day. I settled on four of them, two on the men's side, two on the women's side. Let's start on the women's side where we've got a couple of lopsided favorites. Let's start with number four seed, Barbara Krejcikova. I talked about how difficult it is to find a way to work in the top seeds early in the event. Barbara Krejcikova, pretty good odds for a minus five and a half game spread. You have her minus 130 against Andrea Petkovic. Obviously, Petkovic, a former top 10 player back in 2011 and, you know, won a title as recently as, I believe, August of last season. And yet, you look for Andrea Petkovic last 52 weeks, 24 and 24 overall. She's 0-9 against the top 20 during that stretch of time. 1-5 in 2019, 2-2 two two in 2018, 0-5 oh in 2017, 2-9 two in, in 2016. Why do I bring up those top 20 numbers? Because for Barbara Krejcikova, you look for her over her last 52 weeks. Tremendous run of success for Krejcikova. Dare I say, undersold how successful she's been. 47-19, and 19, that's a 71% win percentage. You look for her since she won the title in Strasbourg the week before Roland Garros. She's lost 15 times since that stretch. A, five of them came at Billie Jean King Cup in Guadalajara in November of last year. You just take those five out of the equation, she looks that much better. B, of those 15 losses since you know May 24th of last season, 14 of the 15 have been to players in the top 25. 11 of the 15 have been to players in the current top 10. Unless you're one of those caliber players, you're just not beaten. Barbara Krejcikovan. With all due respect to Andrea Petkovic, I don't think she has the weapons to hurt Krejcikovan. If you don't have the weapons to hurt Krejcikovan, she is too fundamentally sound. She's going to clean your clock. And minus five and a half games is a big number. That's a three and three or better sort of victory. I think that's what Krejcikova has in store for Petkovic. And again, I don't mean to be disrespectful for Petkovic, who, again, you look overall in her last 52 weeks, 24 and 24, made the quarterfinals of Melbourne 1, beat Samsonova in straight sets, who played really well in week 2, beat Clara Burel in 3 before getting knocked out by Osaka 1 in 5. Again, she lost, I think, 6 of 7 matches to end last season and 8 of 11 down the home stretch. I just think Krejcikova is too fundamentally sound, too solid. I know that minus five and a half games is a big number. Minus 130, though, is a very, very opportune uh, chance for us to make some money on Krejcikova early. So let's take Krejcikova, minus five and a half games over Petkovic, minus 130 again, half a unit only to win .38. That's ace of the day number two. Ace of the day number three, another favorite, Belinda Bencic. Don't sleep on Belinda Bencic, folks. Yeah, I know, number 22 seed, but you look for the Olympic gold medalist. Since making the finals on the grass in Berlin back on June 14th of last year, 27-10 and 10 overall is Belinda Bencic, of course, made the quarterfinals of last year's U.S. Open and, you know, quarterfinals here in Sydney before losing a really fun three-set match in the warm-up event to Paula Bedosa. You know, quarterfinals Cincinnati as well, won Tokyo, just has had a ton of success and is starting to play her best tennis again. And as much as we, as Belinda Bencic has been a part of our lives now for a while, she's still only 24 years old, just ascending into the prime of her career or smack dab in the middle of the prime, depending on your age curve for her. You know, again, this feels like a big opportunity for her at this Australian Open to to gain some points. You look for her last year, third round, she lost to Elisa Mertens. Obviously, third round this year, I believe the draw would be Naomi Osaka, but 
she wants to get to that match, and obviously she wants to get to that match. I think she's got the good, a good opponent, though, to get off to a sound start in Kiki Mladenovic, and you look for Bencic, who's lost to Samsonova, I believe, three times, three out of those 10 losses, yeah, to her since June 14th of last year. That's obviously a big hitter, you would say, on the best days. Her opponent tomorrow, Kiki Mladenovic, does that. But Mladenovic has struggled outside of, you know, the 125 and 250 level. Over the past couple of years, you look for her 29 and 29 in her last 52 weeks. You look for her against top 100 opponents, though, 7 and 24 during that stretch of time. Again, 7 and 24 against top 100 opponents. You want to make that the top 50. She's 4 and 11. You want to go top 20 even further than that, 1 and 4. This is not the Kiki Mladenovic of 2017 when she reached number 10 in the world. Mladenovic has struggled with her rhythm, her confidence. Bencic takes those two things away with uh, from you with the aggressive game she plays. Now, if Mladenovic plays her best, as always, she can hang with anyone. But I don't think we've seen enough from her of late to indicate that she would be playing her best. Again, she played Korea at the end of last season, Seoul, December 20th week, made the final there as the number one seed, but hasn't played yet here in 2022. Bencic, again, from the eye test perspective, checked off all the boxes, even in losing to Bedosa last week. I expect Bencic to roll, again, another minus five and a half games, minus 130 on a top seed. That's about as good of odds as you're going to get early in the tournament. Give me Bencic and Krejcikova, both minus one, uh, five and a half games. Half a unit on both at minus 130 to win 0.38. Those are your two women's uh, ace of the day spread picks, although some of the others, you know, you'd enjoy on the day. Kostyuk, minus five and a half games over Perry, minus 115 again. Adventurous, but interesting. If you like Buxa over Van Utvenk, but you don't like this, you know, you think it's going to be closer three sets, you can take plus four and a half games there at plus 105. Alexandrova, minus three and a half games over Para, minus 115 was very, very tempting. You know, Keys, minus three and a half games over Kennan, minus 110 if you like that. There's Kalnina, plus four and a half games over Pagula. She just has to keep it close at minus 120. Plenty of intrigue on the women's side. On the men's side, Again, you you look at the over-unders, they were all interesting. Spread similarly. There's the, I mean, you're glutton for punishment if you're betting on Christian Green on a non-clay court. I think I'm going to be lulled into doing it today. Obviously, there are players, you know, quarter plus four and a half games. You feel like he's going to keep it closer than that against Nori, minus 130. Or, you know, McDonald, minus five and a half games over a guy who's had the majority of his success on clay courts in qualifier, Nikola Miljevic, minus 165. Those are interesting. The two I settled on... We're going to hope that ATP Cup bump for Denis Shapovalov was real. Minus six and a, game, and a half games for him against Laszlo Jur uh, in round number one. I mean, again, Shapo, the, the inconsistencies are well noted over the years. And sometimes you worry round one, is that really when you want to bet on Denis Shapovalov? Don't you want to wait to see how he's performing before you make that move? You know, since making the Wimbledon semifinal, it was up and down. First round losses to Tiafo and to Benoit Pair in Canada and Cincinnati, respectfully. Third round loss to Lloyd Harris. Straight sets is why that loss does not look good in retrospect. Should have at least gotten a set. You know, losses down the home stretch to Karatsev, to Nori. Tommy Paul beats him in three sets in the Stockholm final. Dan Evans beats him at ATP Cup, but then wins over Struve, Carino Busta, and Roman Sefillian, who was playing so well. I think Chapo has slowly begun to turn the corner, slowly found that consistency. And again, he played better and better throughout the ATP Cup. Now, again, he had a couple of matches to work his way in, but is there a better first-round match to work your way in than against Laszlo Jura, who in his career 
14 and 40 at the ATP level on hard courts. You look for him in his career again against top 100 opponents on hard courts. He's 12 and 29 against top 50 opponents. He's 2 and 15. Those two wins coming over Paolo Lorenzi, who I don't think anyone would qualify as a hard court specialist, and Leonardo Mayer, same deal. Uh, you know, again, anyone he's played with serious hard court credentials, Leslie Jure, uh, has been exposed by his lack of hardcourt prowess. That's obviously what Shapovalov's got in spades. And you look for Shapovalov last season, who was able to beat Sinner in the first round of the Australian Open in five set, beat Tomic before getting knocked out by FAA. I mean, again, he's in that section of the draw uh, where I believe, you know, no no Djokovic now in the top half. Now, he's, I believe, in the Zverev quarter, but still, everyone feels like inherently their draw opens up that much more with no Novak Djokovic in it. If Shapovalov can capture the momentum he built at the end of ATP Cup, bring that into this first round, he should have no troubles covering a minus six and a half game spread against Laszlo Jury. And again, minus six and a half ga- games, that's four, four, and three, or, you know, three, three, and four, or five, five, and three. Any of those combinations, he covers that spread. Straight sets, Shapovalov gets the job done. He wins a blowout set. He can even afford a bad second, a bad third set. I think he gets the job done comfortably. Again, not a big track record for Lazo Jira of success on hard courts. I think Shapovalov exposes that fact. Give me Shapovalov minus six and a half games, minus 135, half a unit to win 0.37. That's uh, spread number three for us. Spread number four. It's a bit of a glutton for punishment. Once again, Pedro Martinez Portero, minus four and a half games over Federico Del Bonis. Now you look for Pedro, who beats Popper and gets knocked out by Dan Evans in the warm up event in Sydney and, you know, was 10 and 11 last year in the hard court matches he played. But quite frankly, I just think he's a tough out in three out of five sets. And you look for him, Australian Open, he beats Nishioka, beats Rusevori last year before getting knocked out by the Deuce. U.S. Open, he beats Duckworth before getting knocked out by Rublev in four tricky sets. I think just physical, the physicality he brings in the three out of five set format, it's a tough out on any surface. Again, his ability to set up the serve and the plus one forehand, the slice he plays with on the backhand wing, how fluid he is for a guy his size in the outer thirds of the court. It's a lot to like about Pedro Martinez, Portero. And so, you know, minus four and a half games tomorrow against Federico Delbonis. Here's Delbonis's hard court records over the past couple of seasons. You look for him 2-12 and 12 in his last 52 weeks on hard courts. Those two victories, by the way, coming, I believe, in ATP Cup. He beats Perver Larrakis and Metravelli of, I want to say... I want, where was Metravelli from? Was he from... No, Perver Larrakis... Was either playing for Greece. He must have been playing for Greece. Metrovelli was playing for Georgia. Duh, with Basilishvili. Sorry. Hey, great shot. We're back here. Two and twelve in his last fifty-two weeks on hard court. Four and eight in 2020. Seven and ten in 2019. Four and three was his last winning season. All the way back in 2017. You look for him in his career on hard court. 65 and 115 overall. 28 and 71 in ATP level matches. Again, I just think the physicality Pedro Martinez brings. Again, I know it's Del Bonas, the lefty. You know, Pedro Martinez doesn't love to swing through his backhand, although I think against the lefty, it brings out the best in his backhand. I know that's a weird thing to say. I just think he can get away with slicing more against righties. I just think Martinez wins this in straights. And if he wins this in straight sets, it should be easy to cover the minus four and a half games. 
you know, minus 150, pretty lofty odds, but we're going to sneak this one in here. Martinez, minus four and a half games, minus 150 odds against Del Bonus. Half a unit, once again, on that to win 0.33. Those are your spreads we're going to roll with today. Of course, you look at the other picks we've got for you. Of course, it would not be an Ace of the Day segment without a couple of parlays to wrap up day one. I've got two of them for you here. Let's start with the juicy one. Four-man parlay. Never feel great about rolling four deep, but these are my four as close to locks as I can come while still finding appealing odds. I think Mackie McDonald rolls Nikola Miljevic, and I mentioned the game spread for him, minus five and a half or six and a half, whatever it was. The odds just weren't that great, and I don't like to double up on players, so I'm going to throw him in the parlay instead. I think, you know, fourth round last year, I think he wins this one pretty comfortably. I talked a lot about Tommy Paul in our men's draw preview. He's one of the biggest beneficiaries of Novak Djokovic. He was in that section of the draw. Now, Sinego's still there as well, but if you're Tommy Paul, fourth week is now the expectation. And that would start with a win over veteran, but, you know, not in his prime, Mikhail Kokushkin at minus 475. This is a bet on Tommy, who looked really good in the first two weeks of the season, One wins a title at the end of last season. Good opportunity for him to pick up some points. I think he gets the win over Kokushkin. I feel pretty good about those two. Pretty good about Marta Kostyuk at minus 650 over Perry, the qualifier. The thing is, if you go minus 500, minus 475, and minus 650, you know, that doesn't help anyone, uh, I think, uh, you know, in terms of a parlay and the standards from theirs. And so I have to go Madison Keys in the mix, minus 215 over Kennan. Put the money where the mouth is. Kennan looked fine in her first week, that loss against Ashley Barty. Keys looked exceptional last week. And of course, played a lot of tennis, a couple of three setters along the way as well. But man, if she strikes the ball, 90%, 80%, as well as she did last week. She should beat Sonia Kennan. So let's roll that parlay. McDonald, Paul, Keys, Kostyuk, plus 148, half a unit to win 0.74. That's parlay number one on the day. Parlay number two, I'm already regretting as I read it. Christian Green just has to be better than he was last season on hard courts. And it was like 3-8 and eight or 3-10, and 10, something atrocious. But if he loses this match to Fasuno Bagness, he's banned from the Ace of the Day segment in anything that's not a clay court event, he should beat Bagness. Minus 195. I'm taking him to do it. I don't feel great about it. I don't have a strong argument other than he looked pretty fine at the ATP. Like, this is just a match he should win, straight up. And again, we're taking the money line. I don't care if it's ugly, which it very likely could be. We're taking him on the money line. And we're throwing him with former ITA number one out of Tulane, Dom Cope, for minus 290 over Carlos Taberner. Taberner, also more well-known for his clay court success than anything other surface. This is just a match Cope for should win, you know, pure and simple. You know, Taberner doesn't have big enough weapons to routinely take advantage of the big Cope for forehand uh, backswing. This match should be on Kofor's terms, and when Kofor plays on his terms, more often than not, he doesn't make enough mistakes to hurt himself. He wins that match. Garin, Kopfer, two-man parlay, minus 102, half a unit to win .49. That is our final pick on day one, a recap of our aces of the day. We'll take Kozlov, plus 160 money line over Vesely, half a unit to win .8. Krejcikova and Bencic, both minus five and a half games over Petkovic and Mladenovic, respectively, both half a unit at minus 130 to win .38. We'll take Shapovalov, minus six and a half games over Laszlo Jure, minus 135, half a unit to win .37. Pedro Martinez-Portero, minus 150 over Del Bonis, minus four and a half games, half a unit to win .33. 
a Mackie McDonald, Tommy Paul, Madison Keys, Marta Kostyuk, four-person money line parlay, plus 148, half a unit to win 0.74, and then Green Kofer, two-man money line parlay, minus 102, half a unit to win 0.49. Those are your day one picks for our GSP Aces of the Day. Again, we will be back each and every day of this event to offer our picks for how we see the action unfolding. You can hear our recaps of all of the action over on the Mini Break podcast feed for our Patreon subscribers. Match of the day uh, shows, excuse me, available for them as well as we try to cover this pod, uh, this tournament, excuse me, from each and every angle. Provide all of you listeners with the information you need. Uh, a shout out as always, by the way, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who we keep busy and as always has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. With all of that said, We hope you enjoyed this GSP Ace of the Day segment. We look forward to bringing you more of them over the course of the next two weeks. And as always, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.